0: How are we doing, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Up podcast. Jonathan Pearson here, and as usual, took a month off last month, Dustin Bates. Howdy, folks. Hope y'all are doing well. And hope you are wearing you your shorts, your flip-flops, because um, it's that time of year. Spring has
1: sprung, as eh, they say it. Exactly. And in the south, everything is one shade of yellow uh, due to pollen. If you don't know what pollen is, now is the best time to vacation in this area, um, that is not snow on the ground. That is That's, not snow on the ground, yeah. It actually uh, actually is a very al- allergic-causing substance. It's terrible. It Absolutely is. It terrible.
0: is hellacious on the sinuses. Um, but this month, uh, we are excited. We have a special guest with us. Uh, many of you um, recognize him from, from Catalyst of many years, the Catalyst conferences, and Catalyst everything at, at one point. Um, uh, Brad Lominick is with us. Brad, thanks for being with us. Hold on, guys.
1: That's you. Oh, sorry, man. The pollen's got me. <laughs> we actually, we actually were able to import that. We said, open this at the beginning of the podcast, so it feels legitimate. That's right. I, so we. I'm first. not far from you
2: as the crow flies in Atlanta, so we, we love are. Atlanta. Uh, Do y'all get yeah, a lot of
1: a lot of the yellow stuff in Atlanta as well?
2: We we get a lot of the yellow stuff. Yeah, all the cars are covered up. Everything is is uh, got pollen all over it.
0: We had a car there was a local car wash, kind of a drive-through car wash here and uh, we're not in a big town so there's not a ton of them but the other day I saw I counted there were 12 cars in line and I'm thinking what's the point? What's the point? Just hose it off cuz you're going to get right. it back tomorrow. Yeah,
2: it's yeah. it's it's around uh, usually it, it all it usually comes around close to the masters. That's the way you can you can mm-hmm. set your calendar to pollen based on when the masters golf
1: tournament is. That's right, golf season. This yeah. is not the time to be outside though. That's for sure.
0: Well, uh, Brad is here to talk about uh, leadership as usual, and Brad has written a book uh, called H3 Leadership, and based off of a concept, Brad, that you um, stated kind of at the beginning of the book that you've operated off for years. Um, and so can you kind of tell us, one of the things I thought was, was really interesting was kind of the backstory of how this book came to, came to be, can you kind of, kind of summarize that for us and, and tell us a little bit about where H3 Leadership came from?
2: Yeah, sure, love to. And thanks for having me on. Um, so, you know, this is my second book. My first book was The Catalyst Leader, which really was the story of Catalyst, uh, you know, through my lens and through my life, and but but talking about the the um, the eight essentials for becoming a change maker, and that was written back in 2013. So this latest book, Age Three Leadership, came out last year in 2015, and at the time it was written. I was walking through a couple of different really key intersections in life. One was I was about to step down from leading Catalyst, and that was the whole process that I walked through by taking a sabbatical and having people speaking into my life and turning 40 and and wanting to hand off Catalyst to the next generation because part of the the lens of the Catalyst leadership and the way we saw it even when we started it was let's not make this about one person sure and let's make sure that if any of us get old in the process that we kick <laughs> ourselves out you know once we get to whatever old is <laughs> and and then the second piece was that i was having what i would consider to be a, a minor leadership crisis in a sense that i wasn't leading very well i, I wasn't hmm. i got to the point because of the pressure and responsibility of catalyst where you know the, the pursuit of the mountaintop was Was starting to decay some things within me, and as well as uh, that, people around me, the closest to me, were not flourishing and not actually thriving. And so, a lot of that story is in the book. Um, You know, the 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 true backstory of H three is that this idea of humble, hungry hustle has been my leadership mantra since I was in my early twenties. And you know, when interns would show up over the years at Catalyst, and they would walk in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Twenty-two, twenty-three years old, and want to change the world, and they would ask me, "Hey, okay, so what is it? What's like the key, Brad? You know, if, if you're going to boil it down, and that was really my answer every time was yeah. was you have to live out this premise of of humble, hungry hustle, and if you can get those three right as a leader, then you're on your way. So all that culminated into this book and the the intersection of my own life as well as this mantra that had been in existence for. Now, twenty years
0: so uh brad which which one of those out of those three do you find is is the most rare among young leaders?
2: yeah it's a good question i I would say that a lot of young leaders I meet are putting all three of these into practice, but if I had to choose one that was the rarest, I would say it would be hungry, mm. and the biggest reason is because there's so much information and knowledge available to young leaders today that right. there there's a tendency for a twenty-something to look around and go, I got it all figured out. You know, I mean, I I have everything I need at my fingertips. Um, I can be an entrepreneur. I can step up and start something sooner than ever before. So, um, I, I don't necessarily have to have a posture that says I've got my moleskin out and I'm constantly taking notes, both figuratively and literally, on life. And I would argue just the opposite. You know, part of the the leader who is hungry. The premise is is that i haven't arrived yet, and I never arrive uh, so it whether you're twenty two or seventy two you've you've got this posture that you're always getting better you're always improving and you're always curious you you see people around you as your classroom and so that that one is is obviously imp- as important as the other two and the key with these three h's is they have to be all three being lived out at you know. In, in overdrive right. in the sense that you, you can't choose one and say, oh, well, I'm going to put the other two aside, or you can't choose two and put one aside. And I, I meet a lot of leaders who are incredibly humble, which is obviously important, and they have no hustle. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't get anything done. And then I meet other leaders who are hustlers who run over people, and it's all about them, and it's all about what they can get for themselves, and they have no humility uh, and the same would be true with, with comparing hungry to the other two. So these have to be in balance. It, it's like a stool that has three legs. And the way yeah. you stand on that stool is all three legs are, you know, the, the same, the same height. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to tip over.
1: Right. Brad, I like something you said a minute ago. Um, and I think for young leaders, this is, this is a pretty good insight. You said, um, uh, You knew you weren't leading well anymore, and I, especially being young myself, you know, I have this anticipation that I'm always going to run, you know, with the same energy or the same passion or that I'm going to always take what I've learned and always practicing it the best that I can. But what were some of your checkpoints kind of like personally that let you know, you know what, I'm just not doing that good of a job anymore. I I need to kind of reevaluate. And I mean, that's that's a hard question to ask yourself. Because that in itself takes a lot of humility. So, how did you kind of arrive there?
2: It wasn't easy, and I think the hardest thing was when you're running something that you're supposed to be a leadership expert. You know, you're writing books and you're you're putting together conferences huh. on leadership. You, you better know what you're doing, like you. you, you know. And and that's the hardest thing is there's this pressure and responsibility that man, if you're going to be a leadership, uh, if you're going to be running a leadership development organization you should be the best leadership expert and leadership practitioner out there. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, I, I hope it's true, but that was a first lesson was, mm. was that, you know, I, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be authentic. Mm. And, you know, there was a sense in me that, that perfection was starting to drive the train instead of authenticity. And I, I was speak you know, there was so many of these speakers who would come into Catalyst that I would look at and go, Man, I want to be like them. I, I want to. I want to be Andy Stanley or Bob Goff or Jim Collins <laughs> or Malcolm Gladwell or you know Bill Hybels or Craig Groeschel or Francis Chan or the list goes on. And and I found myself over time that I was starting to try to emulate the people that I admired mm-hmm. compared to this the simple solution of no, just be you, Brad. You're God has wired you a certain way, and this is your lane. Run in it. Uh, but don't try to don't try to be the next version of someone else be the now version of you and um, that That's was good. that was a really good lesson uh, I don't to answer your question specifically um, there was some people in my life who who spoke that into me um, the other piece dustin was that there was there was a moment in my in in my journey um, where my team the catalyst team they 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 we basically went out for a celebration day as a team and we were at Dave and Buster's and we got all these tickets from playing skee ball and basketball (laughs) and we went to the you know, they we took all the tickets into the store and they ended up buying two items and I had kind of stepped away for something and they all bought these two items together and then brought them over to me and they said, Hey, we got you a present. And one item was actually it was two dolls. And I don't know why they had dolls at Dave and Buster's <laughs> area. But that was weird. But, interesting, you know, yeah, interesting uh, selection, uh, both on Dave and Buster's part as well as the team. But they bought these two dolls, and one was an angel doll, and they presented these dolls to me as sort of a, "Hey, we got you a present. Here's a, here's the first one. It's an angel doll. And that's Brad. That's the Brad we love. You know, we love we love Brad, the the great leader. You know, like we'll follow you anywhere. And then the second doll was Satan. Like it was actually a devil doll. I don't know again, why do you have that at David Buster's? I don't know. Uh, but they said, that's, "That's Darb." And I said, "Well, who's Darb?" And they said, "That's you. That's your alter ego that we call you <laughs> all the time, and have been for several months now. And Darb, obviously, is Brad, spelled backwards. Uh-huh. And Darb was the leader they despised. That was the leader that, that was, was not encouraging. That was condescending. That would blow up at you know uh, at one little thing that that didn't happen correctly, and that was a real moment. I mean, it was funny, ha like this is great, uh, but it was a real blow in in a good way from the team saying, "Hey, we love you. We'll follow you regardless. Like you've brought us this far, right? But but we want to make sure you realize that there's some parts of you, the darb that is coming out way more than it should, and that was a big like aha sort of if if i'm if i'm not helping the people closest to me again be the most successful and thrive the most even if the organization is up and to the right and at that point catalyst was thriving it was we were every every measurable part of catalyst was a success but you know i was not leading the team well and this happens a lot where you see an organization yeah. growing and it's healthy but the leader is not necessarily healthy and so I had to to at that point make a decision. Hey, you know, what's more important? Is it more important for me to get to the top of the mountain? And everybody else on the team is is, you know, down the side of the mountain in you know, they're hanging upside down and they're they're not able to get to the top and they're sucking their thumb in the crevasse and but you're at the top. Is is that real leadership? No. Yeah. The real leadership is that we all make it to the top. And so that was there was there was two specific things that stand out for me, and that authenticity, you know again, <laughs> yeah, coming back to the the place of saying brad you you're not there yet, buddy, and you may be leading something that you expect to be there, but you're not there yet
0: yeah i think I think that's so tempting for for leaders in general, especially young leaders is trying to be somebody they're not and i mean you, you said something in there that you know be the best version of yourself now than the best next version of somebody else you know i think yeah, that's word. i think I think that's. I find myself doing that as as a as a twenty nine year old preacher, or as a twenty nine year old leader, or as a twenty nine year old writer. You mm-hmm. know, trying to think how somebody else thinks because I see that as success. And I mean, I think that's. I think that's such a good word for for all of us to 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 be yourself because God has wired you with unique talents, unique voices. I mean, even even um, a unique voice to speak to unique different kinds of people. And uh, so that's so that's a good word.
1: Can, um, can I say, by the way? What a team! Because that kind of was gutsy, I think. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think it definitely shows the the kind of culture that you fostered. Um, you know, for them to even feel that way. Yeah. But uh, it's, it seems well,
0: like it's one of those moments where you're kind of like laughing on the outside, but on the inside you're like, "Oh crap." Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Did we really just give our boss? <laughs> well, no. I mean, for for, for him, I mean, oh, well, it's, that's like, true. it's like, yeah, "Oh crap!" There's it, the real truth here.
2: I think for all of us and. And you know there there's definitely power in numbers. Uh, you know, in, in if you if you're on a team where you have a leader who is is dealing with some self awareness issues, or you know they've gotten too big for their britches, or they're they're starting to uh, you know act all that, then my advice always is, hey, listen, power in numbers, man. You know, take the whole team and and do something that that basically will bust the balloon yeah. of potential tension. And you know the beauty of that of that story for all of us on the team. And I I, I had tried to foster an op, an authentic culture in a place where you know I wasn't um, I, I wasn't above anyone. Everybody felt the 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 permission to be able to speak their mind. But I tell you what, after that, all of a sudden people would use that to um, hold me accountable. Because here's what they would say: they would say. They would say, All right, you're Darbin again. Stop <laughs> Darbin on me. And every time I would just get frustrated, I'm like, stop saying that, you know, but No, he's but not it, saying
0: Dabin, he's saying Darby. Yeah,
2: Dar- exactly. <laughs> Darby. Yes. Yeah. But it would allow all of us to um, to be okay with the tension. Yeah. And many times leaders, they will just create this this in, incredibly uh, fake, tense, inauthentic culture where nobody can say anything and everybody walks around on their tiptoes and that's just as bad, you know? So, um, I, I feel like that sometimes the best thing for us to do, especially as leaders is we have to be willing to lean into some of that and we have to be so self-aware and so willing to, to deal with the darb of all of us Mm
0: -hmm.
2: that everybody then has permission to go, you know what? Like, there's some parts of me that I need people to speak into because when the leader is an example of a self-awareness and authenticity, everybody else will follow. Man, it, it that is so true in every organization.
0: Yeah, I man. Yeah. If
2: you want a culture of authenticity, it has to start from the top.
0: Yeah the leader the leader's definitely sets the thermostat in that in that area. Yeah. No question.
1: Well, Brad, another one because I I think what I like about your story is that. As, as a young leader, you know, and we've heard it at conferences, I've heard it a hundred times, you know, there is no arriving, but technically, if, like, by looking at your story, you're right, you have led one of the most well-known leadership organizations um, with some of the biggest names and, you know, American Christendom attached to it at some point or another. Um, certainly, kind of, in a sense, if there isn't an arriving, you've came close, but then you also saw where it was taking you and have shifted gears. And so you've kind of even moved past that now and going to other ventures. So what do you think is one of the biggest lies besides the arrival that is told within leadership, even just kind of based off of your own story of having gotten to such a high point and realizing that there's more still? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, a big one is that, um, that I'm going to have more cookies in the kingdom. And uh, you know, faithfulness is the is the success measure in God's good. kingdom and in the the this you know in the in the school of eternity, right? I mean, so it, it doesn't like I've got more stewardship, so that's great. But man, it doesn't mean that that I'm going to have necessarily more rewards. Mm. Um yeah. and so the the, wow, the person who 's out there who 's listening to this who 's a youth pastor and has twelve kids and five of those are family <laughs> you know what like your stewardship of those of those twelve kids is is truly lined up with the the scriptural reference and the story of the the parable that Jesus talks about of of take one and turn it into two and yeah. five to ten yeah. and ten to twenty and you know, I may have twenty, and I turn it into forty, but your one to two is just as equal as my twenty to forty. So that's a huge one. And you know the the, the premise for me right now, even after walking away from Catalyst, was was what is what is from strength to strength look like? Mm-hmm. So now that I ran something that, as you said, arguably is at the top of the food chain, does that mean now that I'm a total disappointment and loser because I'm I'm Impacting tens now compared to thousands before
0: mm-hmm.
2: no, not in any way, shape or form, so it it all has to do with are we faithful with where we've been placed, not necessarily how big is the the sense of stewardship and platform and stage and network that we've been given and that 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 is so important and um just such an encouragement to everybody out there who goes. Listen, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows I exist. Well, God does, and be faithful with where you are, because that's the scorecard.
0: Yeah, and I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's so key, Brad. I think that's so key. So not just not just in the church, but but across the board. I mean, if you're if if you're a if if you're a secretary at a at a car dealership, um, I mean, you know, you you still been entrusted with something. And I think it's I think so often we look at we we play the comparison game, and we forget that our Talent is is our talent. God knows what He gave us, and so it's, it's it's our job to be faithful with what we have, especially especially as young leaders. When sometimes it seems like um, we're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. I think yeah. that's that, that's well, a good word.
2: And I think too. I mean, this is just an add on. Uh, the The idea that <clears throat> that big today is is the ultimate expression of success, even among the next generation. Is not necessarily now the um, the underlying like thing that is motivating us. One, one because we, we like there's lots of bloggers out there who who have hundreds of thousands of people they've impacted, or or people on social media who have millions of people who follow them, or podcasts. Now, I mean, Tim Ferriss' podcast reaches millions hmm. of people. He's got more people listening to his podcast than watching CNN. Yeah, wow. So the the old days of there's a, there's a few people at the top of the food chain like catalyst that are now the you know the ultimate expression Th- those days are those days have long passed us because i can i can create something that has massive short-term impact and influence and reach literally overnight now and yeah. you know so that's that's all that can also be potentially like this schizophrenic world though of you you start chasing that you start right. chasing the you know the the up and to the right thing that that is one week long
0: mm.
2: and then you chase the next thing and, and that can also be uh, you know really tiring compared to the long slow burn of growing something with you know with a with the real intention of 70 year run and yeah. not that not the one's better than the other but i will say this that the 70 year run allows you man to like crockpot things instead of microwave them
0: yeah you know i i have noticed that you know maybe it's just a part of gaining life experience or, or whatever but I, I i've I've recently kind of begun to realize how important longevity is to to, to God and to the kingdom and i think mm-hmm. um, building something that 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 has longevity and something mm-hmm. that has a solid foundation that can be built upon um, is so so important in a world that we can build things really wide um but that that crumble quickly this day and age you're you're 29 now Jonathan you got to be wise that's Come right, that's I, right. Sh- I, sh- I should be smarter than this
2: you're the that's old right. guy now I you're sure the old guy you know you're almost to 30
0: Om- almost yeah. almost the big 3o which Thank, thank, thank God! That's not like midlife now. Midlife has actually <laughs> moved back, right? That's right. I hope so, because I I,
2: I, I, hope I'm still in the second quarter, man. I don't want to be at halftime yet.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, well, I, I, we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna let you go in just a minute, Brad. But there, there was there was a quote from the book that I, that I really wanted to to kind of talk about. Just thinking of my experiences with. Um, with catalyst and um just kind of knowing a little bit about about how how some of that comes to be I, I really wanted to ask you this um as I was reading I was like, i got to ask him this, and so I just wanted to read a little a little blurb that i 'm sure you remember word for word that you wrote and mm-hmm. um and can probably quote the page that it was on
2: absolutely um, every
0: quote is uh, it 's in my brain
2: it 's frozen in there, yeah exactly it's <laughs> like so- <laughs> a like a ready
0: made tweet exactly yeah. <laughs> And yeah. so you will finish this sentence for me, but I'm going to read a little quote. Uh, the reason certain groups, are, groups and organizations are ultimately more creative than others is that their leaders are intentional when it comes to creating environments where creativity can flourish. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us just a little bit about, um, about how, 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 do, how do leaders do that? How do they create that environment? Um, for creativity, what are some? What are some? What are some key? I mean, is it about? Is it about just uh, uh, an overall organizational tone? Is it about the room they're sitting in? Is it? Uh, h- how do? How do we do that? How do we set up for more creativity? Skinny jeans and lots of coffee. All right, there you have it. Thanks We're for screwed. being on the next stuff podcast. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that
2: was that's worth it. it. Right there. Yep, skinny, skinny jeans, skinny coffee. Yeah, and, uh, and perhaps a storyboard. The, yes, and a, and a black storyboard with uh, with colored. Uh, you know, square sticky sticky notes, yes,
1: Apple product ever made.
2: That's right. You have to have Apple as your sponsor. Now I, you know, I, the, the, going back to the, the word intentional and and that's so important because most of us who are leading at the end of the day, we wouldn't consider ourselves the most creative person in the room. And that would be true across pretty much all organizations. Now that's not always true, but creative directors, uh, people who are graphic designers, the true creatives in organizations, they need to have they need to have room to run, but they also need to have an intentional culture that one pushes them uh, to results. So your job as the leader is to push for results uh, and create create a a system that forces results. And here's what I mean by that. Um, your system is not that you 're now the rubber stamp, and you now are the most creative person in the room. That is a bad system mm-hmm. if because you 're in charge, you get to decide all the creative decisions that is that will not work mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. The reality is most organizations are like that they have a they mm-hmm. have an alpha dog, male or female, at the top of the organization somewhere that thinks they 're creative and therefore they are the rubber stamp of every creative idea that gets passed or failed through the organization that will drive your creative people absolutely bonkers because they're looking at you going, you're not the most creative person. You just, you just happen to have the authority. So, um, what I had to learn over the years, again, as the alpha dog and the person in charge was that one, I probably didn't have the best ideas in the room Two, I needed to let the other people in the room actually feel free to, to express their ideas Three, best idea wins. So most of the times that was not my idea that won. Now, occasionally it did, but I had to let the system both uh, bubble up the ideas as well as allow the ideas to get approved into then what became the manifestation of that within a conference or within a marketing campaign or within a brochure or the website. And I had lots of ideas, guys, over the years that, man, I was just – passionate about. And I still think they're good. To this day I still think they should have been implemented. Why didn't they listen? Right, exactly. But I knew that if if that was the culture I created where my idea wins no matter who else comes to the table because I'm in charge, that I would I would watch creative people slowly and slowly over time quit adding value into those kind of systems. Because they start to realize that it's not going to happen because Brad ultimately is the one who's in charge. It doesn't matter what I come up ideas. with. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's what I mean by intentionality. Um, and you have to be willing to let lots of ideas percolate. And the, the here's the other side of this. And this is a little longer answer, but I think it's important. Um, uh, lots of times what we would watch happen was a bad idea or an average idea that would then get built on that would turn into a great idea. Yeah. And if we wouldn't have had an intentional environment – and most of us don't want intentionality towards a long tail of ideas because that's more complicated. Right. We would, we would rather – again, most of us as leaders, we would rather check it yes or no and move on where the creative process, most of the time – you know if you've read Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull, he talks about this at Pixar and he says their movies suck when they start. Like every – Every single producer mm-hmm. at Pixar when they watch the first cut of their films that turn into, you know, Oscar winning films, <laughs> they they're not very good. Right. And but they have an intentional process that says we're going to take this thing into the system and let it breathe and let it have room and and we're going to we're going to come back to it and we're going to add to it and then we're going to let it breathe again and we're going to let it have room. And it's really hard as a leader to know when to let something have room and when to kill it. But man most of us, we don't let ideas have enough re- room to breathe, and then they die—an early death—before they ever could get put into a place where they were great.
0: Well, that's—I uh, that, mean—that's such a messy, a messy way of doing things, and I think I think that's probably probably why that often gets gets mm-hmm. cut off. Very yeah, we would curious. we would have five or six hundred ideas
2: for one event for one catalyst event. We would have five or six hundred ideas that would go through the process. Mm. Now that yeah. is really complicated. And mm-hmm. it, it is, it is, it can be a complete nightmare for the person who is, who is execution oriented like myself. Yeah. But I had to force myself again to, over time, I learned that, that, um, and most of those, most of those 500 ideas would never make it past round one. So we might have 100 ideas that were actually into round two of let's come back to it, let's let it breathe, let's think about it again. And then we might have 50 ideas that, you know got to the validation stage yeah. and then we might have you know 40 ideas that actually that we implemented so usually 10% of the ideas but man when you looked at all those 40 ideas originally a lot of them were not very good ideas they were okay
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that yeah. has to be part of your process otherwise otherwise you're you're putting so much pressure on a few ideas to be slam dunks and you're putting pressure on the the system to to create something that then you don't have enough room for it to breathe, and churches are notorious for Sundays coming. Let's just figure out something to do, right? <laughs> right. There, mm-hmm. therefore, it ain't, you you watch it and you go, "Oh, that probably wasn't our best attempt."
0: Yeah, and and a huge part of that is. is, is- is thinking ahead and planning ahead too. I think that's, that, that's one of the things yeah. that leaders struggle with is getting, getting ahead enough to, to let those ideas breathe. Well, I feel it. like the,
1: the key word he said there was process. There was a, there was a well right. thought through process to help you filter those really creative ideas.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and you have to, man, I, I'm sorry. I'm keep going on on this one, but it's so important for, for church no, no, teams, especially um, go find people in your, in your slipstream. In your in your uh, you know all of your concentric circles. Again, I'm I'm talking to the pastor or the leader who primarily is working in a smaller environment. You you look around and you go, Brad, I don't I don't have ten people on my team who can be part of a brainstorming session. Yeah, you do. You, you're just not paying them, mm. but they'll come. They'll come hang out with you for half a day if you invite them and you invite them into the process and you say, Hey, you are a creative leader in this city. And I need your help to help us come up with some ideas that we can put into practice here at XYZ Church. Mm-hmm. And if you, if, you will, if you will invite them in, they'll say yes. You just haven't invited them in yet. And give them a place on the bus to actually feel like that they're part of the conversation. But, you know, you have to invite them in. Let them, let them come up with ideas. Let them be part of the process. And allow that then. It, it's more complicated. Jonathan, what you said is so true. It's more complicated when you've got more people involved, you've got more ideas on the, on the board. It's way simpler just for me to sit in the room and go, oh, here's three things I'd like to do this Sunday. Yeah, That's probably not going to get you to the best place of excellence.
1: Yeah. Uh, Brad, kind of a last question. Uh, specifically targeting those young guys, you know, uh, maybe fresh out of college, uh, just getting into the workplace. Uh, working with the wide variety of leaders that you've been able to and uh, all different ages, all different phases of life, what is your hope for this next generation? You know, looking at our, at our world, looking at our, at our, our, churches, looking at leadership, you know, we have so much good information out there. What is, what is your hope for this next generation of leaders that hadn't quite taken a mantle yet, but it's theirs in the near future?
2: Man, I, I hope they take it and, run with it and take it so far and so further so so much faster further beyond anything that, that I did or my generation did and you know the, the beauty of the handoff is always that when you hand off something to the next generation that they do more with it than you did and yeah. that is such a beautiful picture of generational transfer of leadership and legacy of leadership mm-hmm. and so my job At this point in my life, I'm in my early 40s, is to, man, I'm the cheerleader and I am trying to, in in any environment I'm in, with any conversation, with any leaders I'm around, I'm trying to figure out how best can I set up young leaders for taking something that I've been part of creating and then giving it to them and letting them build on that where they build something so much bigger than I ever did. That everybody forgets about me, and everybody goes, "Wait, who was that guy that was around, man, when that thing started?" And who was that guy? Oh, I can't remember his name. That's what I want, like, said about me. And you know, the the beauty of that is that is that your legacy as a leader is always always measured by what happens after you're gone,
1: mm-hmm.
2: not necessarily what you wow, did. That's a, that's a powerful there. word. Good gracious. And, you know, so twenty somethings they they need to take it and run with it, but they also need to already be figuring out how are they ha- now handing off to an eighteen year old behind them. Yeah, because you are never too young to start thinking about legacy and start handing off stuff to people behind you.
0: And that I, I keep thinking, and we, we we could do a whole podcast just on this this handoff thing because I, I think it's so important. I think okay. we're, we're we're about to see um, a huge generational shift over the next five to ten years. Um, but the the humility piece is is just so so important to to what you're saying. If if you want to be forgotten about, you have to come from a place of humility, realizing that the health of the organization or the health of the church or or whatever it might be is more important than the health of your name living on. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It,
2: I mean, and guys, if you look at you know somebody like uh, um, Craig Rochelle, I think who we all know Life Church, and we've all watched Life Church grow and and. And be successful, but Craig is, Craig is, you know, in his mid forties, and he has already stepped out of, of most of the key areas, except for teaching and vision. Mm. And what he's doing is he's saying, I don't know if he was ever. I mean, he was intentional about this, but he wasn't. He didn't know what he was doing in his in his early twenties when he started Life Church. He was winging it. Mm. Um, But what he's done is he said at every possible point that I can, I'm going to. To to hand it off, so that I can only do what I'm able to do at this stage of my life, compared to I'm going to keep holding on to it because now I'm the best at it
0: and, and make sure it looks like I want it to look. Yeah,
2: exactly. Like, and he keeps saying, and, and you know, he I I know that Craig's doing this. He keeps saying, "What can I only do at this stage of my life? Mm-hmm. Not what can I do that everybody else can do, but I want to be the best at and." And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's a lot of leaders out there who are at that stage and they're 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 still, you know, holding on to something. Right. But man, I think it's so much better and so much more healthy when we start saying, What can I now hand off? Because there's only a few things that I can do that nobody else can do.
0: Yeah. And I think it's even more so important for for younger leaders, those of us in our thirties or early thirties to to be as prepared as possible to take those to take those mantles because people have paid the price to, to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, we need to we need to wrap this up. We're uh, we're we're running long. I'll say it, a Baptist had, church would already have half the people would have already left. Oh,
2: listen, if, man! People are already at Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're already right. getting
0: the ten piece. They
2: are. Done. I was
1: actually thinking so if somebody normally jogs to this and sets their time. They're mm. they're putting some mileage in today, baby. That's right. Oh, You're yeah. welcome for those extra calories.
2: Extra half extra half mile. Here we go. That's yeah. right.
0: Well, Brad, we really do appreciate you joining us. Um, uh, can you kind of uh, just as a wrap up tell people, and I, I and I know you're way too humble to do this, but tell people where to buy the book and um, uh, where to find you, and, and just 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 what you're up to.
2: Yeah. So the best place to find me is uh, myname.com, Brad Lominick, and that's l o m e n i c k dot com. All the social media outlets. I'm just at Brad Lominick, and then the book is available everywhere. I mean, Barnes and Noble uh Amazon we'll link that all the Christian it. all the Christian websites it's on my on my site so if people don't know how to get a book these days then you know we need to have another conversation
1: What is this thing called Amazon you speak of <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it It'll uh, never you, work Listen if you go to if you go to
2: AOL uh, you probably <laughs> will find it there, or MySpace the, that, I say yeah
1: what's your MySpace handle listen, I would love to look you up Listen on to that. the dial up tone that's, that's right, right. To yeah.
2: Yeah, if you're still using your dial-up uh, CD you got back in 1994.
1: <laughs> I still, I still have three minutes. I still have three O.L. Min- minutes.
2: Hey, I used to collect those things, man. It was I thought they were going to be worth something That's someday. That's like gold, man. It's <laughs> <To
1: try,
2: laughs> <laughs>
1: worth burning in a fire. That's right. All
0: right, well, thanks so much, and everybody have a great month. and We will see you next month. What are we going to be talking about, Dustin? We have no clue, do we?
1: We have no clue. As he said early on with uh, – Greg we're in good company. We're just winging this thing. That's we're right. Just winging it. Y'all have a good one. Bro.